Hello, and welcome to Crafting a Revolution, the podcast. My name is Katie Freeman, and I'm one of your hosts. Every week, we bring you interviews with makers of all kinds from all over the world who identify as female, non-binary, and transgender. This week's guest is Sabine Maxine Lopez. Uh, Sabine Maxine Lopez is the founder of A Tribe Called Queer. A Tribe Called Queer is a Los Angeles-based multidisciplinary community organization dedicated to the everlasting empowering of BIPOC and LGBTQIA2S plus communities through mental health, wellness, art, education, and more. They provide accessible community programs, incredible resources, free virtual offerings, an archival podcast, gender-neutral clothing line, wellness zine, and more. The founder is Sabine Maxine Lopez. Sabine is a queer BIPOC non-binary femme from Los Angeles, California. A natural-born, multi-hyphenate, you can find Sabine expressing herself through design, writing, photography, fashion, and much more. Most recently, her essay, My Journey to Design, was included in the book, The Black Experience in Design, Identity, Reflection, and Expression. It was a joy to get to chat with Sabine and learn more about kind of the mission behind a tribe called Queer and how that mission has progressed over time and what the future is looking like. So I am very um, grateful to have had the chance to talk with Sabine and learn more about that. And now you get that chance. Before hopping into the conversation with Sabine, I want to give a big shout out and thanks to the patrons over on Patreon. So first, I want to shout out and thank the two um, podcast sponsors over there, and that is Matthew from Artigiano Serio and Bonnie of Toolmom Bonnie, toolmomstore.com. Both of them are at podcast sponsor level. So thank you both so much for really helping uh, the podcast continue doing these interviews and moving forward. And thank you to the rest of the patrons also, such as Candice, CJ Woodgrain, Lee at Lee Runyon, Annette 513 Woodworks, Katie Thompson, Women of Woodworking, Kevin Lefty's Woodshop, Christy Twisted Twine, Jeremy Jeremy Spees, Sammy Go Sammy Lee, Rachel Moody Makes, yeah, Rachel Moody Makes, um, Laura Oakley Soap Company, Brandy, Studio Obey, Ellen, Little Bear Furniture, and Ethan, Ethan Carter Design. Thank you all so very much for your continued ongoing support, helping to produce the podcast every week. If you are enjoying the podcast and would like to also uh, help, please stick around to the very end of the episode and I will tell you all the ways that you can do that. Now let's head on into my conversation with Sabine of A Tribe Called Queer. Uh, well, Sabine, I like to ask my guests to introduce themselves. Would you do that for me? <laughs> sure. Um, oh gosh, my name is Sabine and um, Sabine Maxine Lopez, if we're being formal about it. And my pronouns are they as well as she. And I am the founder and executive director of A Tribe Called Queer, which is an awesome um, 
organ a community organization that um oh god I always struggle with this because we do so much <laughs> we have a lot of things that we do but right now I'll just say we are um working really hard to get our own 501c3 status so that we can continue to provide um some really great uh community programming that is accessible uh hopefully free <laughs> in the future, <laughs> um, and uh, an archival podcast, and wellness scene, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Oh, and we have a clothing and accessories line, too. <laughs> yes, that's actually, I think, how I found you Yes, is through the clothing. I think, I don't know if it was like, you know, like a boosted post that came across or something like that, but um I was like, yeah, I can get behind clothing like that for sure. Um, yeah, one of these days, I am going to at least order one, if not multiple shirts, so that I can rep it. <laughs> well, we just dropped our pride collection, so you can oh, get one of those. <laughs> yeah, good call, good call. Yeah. Um, so I kind of want to like step back and ask a broader question, like what is the story of Sabine from like baby Sabine, like where did you grow up to, you know, getting to start this, uh, trying to start um, this nonprofit? Mm -hmm. um, oh, baby Sabine. Uh, I, oh my God. It's so hard to say because, so I grew up very poor, you know, we, I was a welfare baby <laughs> and um, for until I was 18, you know, and my I was in a single parent household and my mom, you know, was a, a former convict who had a record and couldn't really, you know, keep a job. And so because the system wasn't set up to like help her in any way, uh, but, you know, we just grew up so poor that we very rarely had like our own place to stay. And so we hopped around a lot. And so it's hard to say like, well, where are you from? I always say, well, LA County. <laughs> that works for LA me. County yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so sometimes we were living with an aunt in, you know, um, uh, not South LA, but like more towards, um, I don't even know what that area is called, but, you know, it was a predominantly Latinx neighborhood. And then sometimes we'd be in West Adams with my other aunt and uncle, or sometimes we'd live in a motel or extended stay place, you know, and it was always just like a struggle, my, most of my childhood. So I didn't really experience having like my own bedroom until I was in high school. And so we kind of hopped around a lot. And so that has informed, uh, a lot about who I am now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine. Um, I, I would say there's a little bit of that that resonates with me just in the sense that I grew up poor, very poor and um, with a single parent until my high school years um, when my mom got married and, and whatnot. But before that same, like we didn't stay um, probably a little bit more than security than what you described, but still we didn't say stay any place very long. So mm -hmm. I definitely, um, and it definitely informs now, like I'm pretty adamant of, I want my children, you know, my grandchildren to like 
grow up in a house that we stay in the whole time. <laughs> like that's just, I don't know, something that's very important to me, I feel. Um, yeah, stability. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Um, so where does, I guess, um, creative endeavor come in to play in kind of your life story? creative oh gosh (laughs) I mean as a creative spirit like I feel like I'm always thinking of these ideas and like oh I should try this and I should it's just like something that I'm always thinking about um whether I want to or not (laughs) and it can be a little (laughs) bit annoying uh especially to my partner who wants to be super supportive but they're like, can you just pick a thing? But I've always been somebody who ha- likes to dabble in many different areas. And so it has been a struggle for me as an adult to try and just pick one to focus on. So that can fully have all of my energy and stuff. And so, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, to be more specific, I didn't really have like the time and energy to really focus on any creative endeavors until I left like my government job that I had. (laughs) Uh, I worked for the County of Los Angeles for um, 11 years and I left in 2016. And it wasn't until then that I was really able to, and I was, I'm privileged to be able to do that because it's a, it was a very stable job that had benefits and like a union and all these things. Um, but with the support of my partner, I was able to leave and to really focus on, you know, all of my creative endeavors for a while. I had a vintage line called Paddywhack Vintage, where I did, you know, reselling of vintage clothing and accessories. And I did that for a while. And I just ended that. Um, because I wanted to focus on a tribe called queer full-time. And so it's been a journey, that's for sure, because (laughs) I think the problem with creative endeavors is they don't always pay. Correct. (laughs) You know, and I have bills. So being a, a creative person who has all of these endeavors, you have to also have like little side hustles here and there too and so it's a lot it's a lot it's not for the week that's for sure no yeah it's it's like to be a creative person (laughs) takes a lot of creativity just to keep like the lights on and food and all that stuff Um, you have to be resourceful yes very much so um so I I do want to understand like the story kind of the birth of um, a tribe called queer, like how'd that come about? The birth. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Well, it started in 2016 and it started out as just an Instagram page uh, because I wanted a place where I can promote what other queer people were doing in the community, other nonprofits and small businesses and stuff like that. That's how it started. And then over the years, it shifted and became more of a brand itself where, you know, the clothing and accessories were at the forefront for a really long time. And like you said, that's how a lot of people know Tribe Called Queer because of the clothes and the t-shirts and all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. But now, you know, we're shifting again. And that's just because, uh, you know, I have had to really think about what it is I want to do with the Tribe Called Queer. Um, 
And I want it to be something that's super intentional and that can give back and help people in some way, because that's what I want to do, you mm-hmm. know? And so I was like, well, I already built this thing. I may as well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> shift it to figure out like how to do that. And so that's what we're doing now, but it started in 2016, which is wild that it's been that many years, but it's been a slow process <laughs> of getting to where we are now, but I'm really grateful because um, I'm able to really be intentional about everything. So, yeah. Yeah. Again, that definitely like resonates for me in the sense of just pivoting over time and really realizing like, I don't know if maybe you had a similar experience of like when starting kind of like, you know, a creative business or whatever. It feels like at first, like I definitely started it for myself and Mm -hmm. was like very selfish with with how I like managed, you know, social media, managed all the stuff like around it. And then as I met more members of, for me specifically, like the maker community, like it's just continued to shift over time about like how to serve. Um, My mission more intentionally is like how to serve the marginalized or underrepresented represented people within like maker communities within like woodworking and craft and trade and um, those kind of industries mm-hmm. um, that still heavily are um, cishet white male dominated. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where I've grown to. And it's like, I think that set a fire more than anything um, is like, it's actually much more rewarding to do stuff for others than it is to do stuff for myself. Um, yeah. uh, when you talk about shifting for resources, is there like, is there specific needs you're seeing, you know, I would say maybe locally first in your community that you're trying to address? Yeah, I mean, one of the, one of my top priorities in terms of like things that I want to want to address is mental health um, and grief, uh, you know, which can go hand in hand sometimes, (laughs) but, you know, just living through this pandemic and everything that's going on in the world and the, all of these laws and just everything, it's too much, you know, and, and, I, I have some, I have moments sometimes where I'm really struggling and I'm just like, I need to get a grip on myself because if not, I'm going to snap, <laughs> like not mm-hmm. snap violently, but yeah, like yeah. emotionally, like yeah. I can't, it's too much sometimes. And so I feel like if I'm feeling this way and I consider myself to be a pretty strong person, like I, I'm able to compartmentalize and like, you know, deal with stuff in a, in a certain way to where I'm like, okay, I'm okay, you know, for the most part, but it's been too much like the past, the past two years. And so because of that, I've really wanted to make sure to have uh, programming that addresses these types of things. And, and uh, tomorrow is actually the first day of our grief group, which I'm so excited about because um, I, you know, haven't been able to find a space where it's like QT BIPOC folks can like talk about their grief, whatever kind of grief it is, you know, it could be mm-hmm. the loss of somebody, it could be the loss of a job, the loss of a housing or, or 
housing security or anything, you know, any major shift or just dealing with this pandemic, you Mm -hmm. know, and all this stuff. And so I'm really excited about that, you know, and really, um, um, I'm trying to think about my mental health programming. Um, I am going to be starting some art therapy, um, workshop series, which I'm really excited about too, because I believe that art is very healing and can really help with mental health. And so, um, or I should say mental wellness. (laughs) Um, and so I'm really excited about that kind of stuff. So I'm really trying to think about programming that can just help with coping and help, you know, boost your mental health and, you know, May is mental health month. And so, um, I'm bummed that I couldn't like have stuff started yet but it's okay. It's coming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's coming down the line. So, yeah. Yeah. Today's episode is sponsored by Athena Outfitters. Athena Outfitters is a quality workwear brand for hardworking women that sells everything a badass beauties need to get the job done from work boots to basics. They curate the toughest essentials made to help you perform every piece is handpicked to seamlessly slide right into your daily lifestyle from rugged and roguish weekday wear to effortless weekend flair. You can fill your closet with gear that can do it all. So for Christmas, I ordered my wife like a very nice pair of slippers from Athena Outfitters and she loves them. Loves them so much that she has accidentally gone to the gym and the grocery store in them because they seem to never leave her feet. So definitely a place to go check out, go get the goods that help you not only out in the shop, but just in your daily uh, work around the house and outdoors. As a listener of the podcast, you can go to Athena Outfitters website and use coupon code MM, as in M&Ms, 15 for 15% off any purchase. So again, you go to athenaoutfitters.com and use the code MM15 and get 15% off of your purchase at checkout. Yeah, I think that's... No, you did. You did. I mean, it's... Yeah. Um, I guess I'm with you. Like, you know, essentially we're basically perfect strangers, but I'm here if you need to like call and just like we cry together over the phone because <laughs> I know that's what I feel like right now um, mm-hmm. with all of these laws, especially. Um, and not even just, yeah. I get scared for my kids a lot and thinking about um, the country that they're growing up in right now. Yeah. Um, and how to provide our young people with like uh, mental health resources that they need um, in this time. And then like being able to model that for them as well, um, I think is a struggle. And do you, I, I mean, I'm curious, this is totally selfishly driven question, but you living in LA, like, do you feel like you have more resources available to create these things being in a bigger space? Hmm. That's a really good question. Um, (laughs) I mean, it's very complex because 
on one hand, like LA is so large and, and so people, I think there is this assumption that everything is super accessible, but I don't think that that's the case. I think, I mean, for a tribe called queer specifically, you know, I'm just starting out in terms of the nonprofit world. We're just making this mm-hmm. shift. And so it's hard when you're, you know, a queer black person trying to create a space in this field that mm-hmm. is very dominated by, you know, white organizations. And so, you know, it's hard to find funding and to get funding. You know, a lot of times when you're applying for grants, they want to know, well, what grants have you received already? We're like, what? Well, that's like asking for ID in order to get ID, you know, right. like, right. <laughs> like we need help, you know, yeah. we need resources yeah. and, and, and um, that can be really challenging. Um, I think right now I think I don't know if this is just an LA thing or if it's all over the board but everywhere but sometimes it's hard to get people to show up and you're like okay I'm creating this space and I have to remind myself I'm just creating this space and I know that when I create it people will come even if it's later right (laughs) that's okay yeah but I'm just gonna keep doing it until people show up because you know People have jobs and they have busy schedules and busy lives and kids and like, you know, work many jobs. And so Mm -hmm. it's like trying to find the times where that'll work for everybody is difficult. Trying to, should we do this in person? Should we do it virtually? Well, if we do it in person, (laughs) LA is so big. So where should we have it? It has to be the right place. And also in in LA, the, the queer community is very separated. There's the East side queers and the West side gays. And then there's the black queers and the, and the white queers. And, and it's really hard to like have everybody just come together. <laughs> and so that's another struggle. And so I don't know, I don't know if it's, a, I don't know if, if bigger is better in this case, but um, regardless, I'm going to keep doing it. You know? Yeah. I think, I, I mean, I think everything you describe answers my question in the sense that it doesn't it doesn't necessarily make it any easier than you know small midwest town that i live in type thing it's very similar in the sense of um a building it and praying to god people actually like show up (laughs) trying to have the patience um you know to to hit that field of dreams quote if you build it they will come Mm -hmm. um that's hard to remember sometimes especially when you're like super excited about that idea I think to me it's like I've had to learn like the higher the level of excitement I have the more I have to like try to temper that because that's like I don't want the big letdown when I open the doors and like oh nobody showed up um but also like you brought up something that I don't think I've and I'm hoping you'll engage with me on this that I haven't brought up on the podcast a lot and that's like (laughs) segregation within a marginalized community Mm -hmm. um and I would say like again it's similar for my community right of like I remember being like uh, a young just came out 
queer and being like, woohoo, like I found this like community. And then I go into it and I find like more clicks. And I'm like, we really, <laughs> like, we really still have to continue to put people in all of these different boxes and we can't yep. all just like band together <laughs> to, to like fight all the things together instead of like, I don't know. It's just like, no, now we're in fighting and that takes away from like taking huge steps forward as a community. Um, mm-hmm. So, how like besides recognizing that like how how are you trying to tackle that like to get into like mm-hmm. these spaces I mean listen <laughs> that was exactly my experience by the way coming out and being like yay yeah whoa okay yeah. <laughs> you know as a mixed black person this has been my life right always it's always it's you know the Latinx side and the Black side. And and even within those communities, it's there's a lot of strife. And so it's, it's nothing new. I just have to keep doing what I'm doing and just say, well, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. you know, <clears throat> I try my best to bring people together. I used to have an event called the Queer Bazaar where I would have vendors from all of the different communities come <laughs> together. Yeah. And then you see that when, you know, everyone would invite their people and yep. they would come and then be like look see we're all here you know <laughs> and I really love that but um I don't know I mean I just have to there's only so much you can do as one yeah. person you know the community so it's 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 small but not you know it, and, yeah and, I get that yeah <laughs> and everyone has their preferences unfortunately and and I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to do. I just mm-hmm. have to keep, you know, I mean, if anything, it has made me shift more towards wanting to provide, you know, uh, programming and resources to, and with the, with a focus on like my folks, like, yeah. you know, QT BIPOC folks, because that's what I can do. You yeah. know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's my experience. And so no, that's, that. that's been the outcome of that, unfortunately. I get that. Yeah. Um, I would say I've struggled. Um, and and this is just a, a statement. I don't necessarily expect you to respond, but I will say I struggle um, to want to get outside of my quote unquote lane and wanting to reach out into communities that maybe uh, visually I don't identify with mm-hmm. um, and struggling to always remain empathetic enough and humble enough when going into communities to try to understand uh, experiences that aren't mine and um, just remaining like always open to listening versus talking like listen first <laughs> don't be the white woman who thinks she knows everything is really what I'm trying to go after <laughs> um but I think it's um I guess I sometimes struggle just in the am I allowed in this space because I also understand like creating sacred safe space um mm-hmm. 
like I get that just in general as a queer person right like there's something to be said of like walking into a gay bar and not having it be filled with straight bachelorette parties but walking to a gay bar and being able to be like okay I can at least take like one sigh of relief that this is somewhat of a safe space for me um so I understand that um I just don't know I guess it's something that I continue to try to learn myself of how do I get into those communities without encroaching on somebody else's safe space yeah um but wanting to reach out and learn and, and see how I can be of assistance. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, what do I say to that? Like, are, though our, most of our programming is for QT BIPOC folks, like white people can come. It's just know why you're there and, and mm-hmm. don't take up space because this space is, is, is for us, you know, yeah. but it's not to say like oh don't come here <laughs> yeah I would never say that <laughs> yeah like I like please you know you can benefit from our programming as well everyone can benefit from our programming as well but there are instances where we definitely want it to be just us and that's okay mm-hmm. and like it's needed yeah especially yeah. if the facilitator is a person of color or a black person you know it's it's needed and and there's no you know I don't know I, I and Honestly, like even even if you're not intentionally going to, into spaces that are for QT BIPOC folks, like you can also just, you know, think about how you take a space in the regular world where you know people of color are. Because mm-hmm. trust me, there are everyday instances where I'm just like, oh my god, <laughs> you know. <laughs> even like my my partner and I talk about just walking down the street and how ninety. Eight percent of the time if we're walking and there's a white person walking towards us they will not move we that's have ridiculous these are just things that yeah i know with all the I know. time that you know <laughs> white folks it would never cross their mind yeah you know and it's just one of those things and and so that's something that you know that can be thought about like think about every day it doesn't have yeah. to be like yeah. just going into you know black spaces or spaces for people of color it's it's an everyday thing Mm -hmm. yeah I I remember so like my first very serious girlfriend um happened to be a a black woman and Mm -hmm. I remember I was young and I I won't make the excuse of being naive I will just say I was young um and going into like shopping spaces with her you know and her like coming up to me and being like all right we got to leave they're following me around Mm -hmm. I'm like what Mm -hmm. like not even you know I just didn't I I didn't understand because it's not something that's ever happened to me Mm -hmm. but I remember that very clearly like the first time that happened just because it was like it just made me stop and just be like okay I need to be aware of this Mm -hmm. um And essentially being aware enough to also then now, you know, 10, 15 years later, be able to go in a store. And if I see like a person of color, like being followed or harassed, just kind of like mm, non-verbally offering assistance in that space, (laughs) you know, just to be like, I don't know, like it's stupid. It's stupid that that stuff still happens. 
Like, it is. It happens to me. You know, <laughs> we have to make it a point. Like, I don't put my hands in my purse if I'm in a store. Yeah. You know, <laughs> those things just, yeah, happen. yeah. You know, it's just the way it is. And I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate you having that, this conversation with me. I really do. Um, I do want to get back to a tribe called queer. I have to know, how'd you come up with the name? Oh my God. <laughs> okay. I, re- I remember driving to Oakland with a friend and my partner and we were listening to a tribe called quest. And I love hip hop and a tribe called quest is one of like my favorite groups. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember who said the words, but I was like, oh my God, <laughs> this is the thing. This is the thing. And so then I created the Instagram and that's how it started. You know, okay. and it was just really like, honestly, my love of hip hop, my love of my community and um, my love of my identity because <clears throat> the word tribe is in the title and I do have Nav- Navajo and Ute blood and ancestors that I'm like super proud of. I'm, a, I'm proud of all of my intersectionalities. And so <laughs> it just was a way, this beautiful way of how it all kind of like blends together. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's how, that's how it was created. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, I definitely, besides the clothing that caught my eye, it was also just the name. It was, mm-hmm. it was like, okay, that's that's pretty badass name. Um, yeah. <laughs> what about the, because um, when I kind of reached out communication-wise to you guys, I, you know, perused the website and stuff. So I am curious as a podcaster to learn more about your guys' podcast as well. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm so excited that you asked because, so originally we have a pod, had a podcast that um, was basically just me, myself sitting down with another queer person. There would be a topic and we talk about that. Um, but now we are um, in the planning stages of our new podcast, which is called Kinfolk. And this podcast is going to be an archival podcast where we uh, interview um, uh, BIPOC LGBTQ elders with an emphasis on Black trans elders. Um, And we talk about their stories, their struggles, their triumphs and everything in between. And I am just so excited about this. I was inspired to do this because I had um, an internship last summer with an archival uh, organization. And I liked it, I liked my experience, but what I realized was that there was no, you know, obviously I'm always going to go for everybody black and, and brown and like (laughs) my my people, you know, and there was no emphasis on, on those folks. And also like, um, they don't pay their interviewees. And that's something that I want to do. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to be able to pay people for their time. And, and so I was just really inspired to do this myself and I'm like, I can do it, (laughs) you know? And so, yeah. Hey makers, today's episode is sponsored in part by toolmomstore.com. At toolmomstore.com, you can find any and all tool-based merchandise for all genders, all sizes. They've got mugs, they've got shirts, all kinds of cool stuff. I have uh, one of the shirts myself that has the uh, hashtag woodworker on it. And I also have a couple of the mugs that define what and who is a tool chick. So super excited with the merchandise that I have. I know that 
you will be satisfied as well. Um, and also, great discount for those of you who listen to the podcast. At checkout, if you enter the code MAKERMOM, you will get a 20% discount off any of the merchandise that you buy. So that's just toolmomstore.com. All right, let's head back into the action. That's like super, I mean, number one, I'm excited. Like I'm totally going to want to like, I want to tune in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because um, for, for one, I think like just in general, there's a lack of like history to like queer community outside of like, I mean, like everybody knows about Stonewall and everybody, you know, knows like some of the bigger events, but we don't mm-hmm. know like the individual like stories. I like, I remember I listened to like an episode that kind of um, dove in on about like Marsha P. Johnson and like her story. And I was just like, I loved it. It's like, no, I want to know kind of like the meat and potatoes behind the people who like did these movements. And even if they didn't protest in that way, to me, I really do feel like just living our daily lives as a queer person is a protest. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're constantly coming out, you're constantly doing all of these things that, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, straight people and even um, cis people don't necessarily always understand. So mm-hmm. um, I'm super excited when I saw about your your podcast. I was like, yes, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, it's interesting because when I thought of it, I started to like research and see like, well, does something like this exist? Nothing like this exists. Mm-mm. Nothing like this exists for black and brown trans correct like queer, you mm-hmm. know, it doesn't exist and I'm like how how right. is it 2022 so I'm so fucking excited sorry I don't know if I can no yeah that. go go for it <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited to do this and you know it's a whole process within itself because I mean as you know as a podcaster it's a lot of work and um but I'm up for it and and uh you know we're applying for grants that'll be specifically for this to ensure that everybody's being paid not just the interviews but everybody yeah. on the team and you know because I believe in paying people and paying people well yep <laughs> so um yeah it's 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 in the very early stages but it's happening and um I'm really excited <laughs> well not yeah as you should be um you should be excited and I would say you should be proud of yourself for going after it too um yeah um and it also gives me something to think about um you know as it this fall I will have had this podcast for four years which is extremely hard for me to believe um Mm -hmm. but this whole time it's been focused on you know um always trying to fund it at the bare minimum fund like all of the like software and all of that stuff um, behind it because it's still pretty much a one woman show as far as like editing and and all of that stuff I do. Um, but you you bring something up about the idea of paying guests. Like maybe I'm ashamed I didn't even think about that idea. Yes. <laughs> I, well, because I think the culture right now is that, you know, I think when it comes to like, people I don't know it's just the culture yeah. like we don't even that we don't even think about it you know mm-hmm. uh but I think 
it's good that it's starting to change. And so I'm mm-hmm. grateful for that. Yeah, yeah, definitely gives me some some food for thought. Um, when you say you're pivoting, do you think you're going to, like, I guess my, I, maybe a core question. Do you think you'll always keep some part of that initial, like, like you said, you guys just released your pride line and stuff like that. Do you think you're always going to have that mix in there, even as you're going more towards like the services and stuff? Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm, I'm letting everyone know it's the clothing and accessories are not going anywhere. It's just not going to be the, the main focus anymore. Gotcha. Uh, the programming is going to be the main focus. You know, what we're giving to people mm-hmm. is going to be the main focus. And so it's always going to be a part of it. Um, and maybe that'll even grow. You know, once once we do have grant funding, we'll be able to have someone specifically do that. Because right now I'm doing everything yeah. as much. And so when we have someone dedicated to that, we can actually do more clothing. Because I have ha- had ideas to do actual clothes, like not just T-shirts. Yeah. But yeah. like, you know, doing really cool gender neutral um, clothing, but I just don't have the capacity. And so yeah. that can also that will also grow and be its own thing. But, you know, the thing about nonprofits, one thing that a former mentor told me was that just because you're a nonprofit doesn't mean you can't make a profit. <laughs> and so yep. it's good to have aspects of your nonprofit that can generate income. And so, yep. yeah, that's, that's always going to be there. I don't ever, I don't foresee it now going away. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Awesome. Um, I had a question and then it slipped away. Okay. Is it about the gender neutral clothing? Probably. <laughs> I was going to say, we need more of that for sure. For sure. sure. <laughs> um, we do. Yeah. And, and also, like, gender neutral doesn't have to mean masculine clothing. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it could be all sorts of things. And I, you know, fashion is such a huge, like, love of mine. And so I'd love to be able to do more of that kind of stuff. But we'll see. I say like fashion <laughs> skipped me altogether. Like I just not even positive what I enjoy except for t-shirt and jeans. That's about the only thing that I know that I like. <laughs> um, it's so bland though. I mean, you know, I see I see all like the power lesbians in LA and I'm like, how come I can't? Anyways. <laughs> I don't know. LA is its own its own thing. So I can't really help you there. I just say, you know, wear what makes you feel good because yeah. if you feel good, then that's the energy you give. So I mean, I followed along with um like Wild Fang and I know they have boy as in B-O-I in their name, but I can't think of what they're called. Um, but I followed along with those. Um, I love Wild Fang stuff, but mm-hmm. I, they don't ever really sell it in my size. Tends to be my issue. Uh-huh. <laughs> struggle. Um, they work with my partner's nonprofit actually uh-huh. a lot recently. And so I know that they, um, they have increased their sizes because that was a big um, downside. And I guess they got a lot of feedback about that. And I recently just got a jumpsuit that actually fits me. And I was so excited about it. (laughs) Yeah. So check them out. They're, they're, they're expanding their sizes and that's the thing that's important. Like you want everyone to feel fucking cute as fuck in your clothes. So you have to provide you know, sizes, our t-shirts go up to 5X in most of the colors, not all the colors, mm-hmm. but, um, and I would love to go up to seven. I just, 
you know, my printer doesn't have up to that size. But eventually when we have our own inventory, we'll be able to do that. So yeah, you have to be inclusive. You do. Yeah. Now, when you say printer, does that mean you're printing or does that mean you've got no. somebody printing? <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't print them myself. So I have to use a company that prints all of them for me. So it, it's all on demand. So once somebody places an order, then uh, they print it. So there's no like overhead, there's no waste, yeah. which is really good. Um, so, but eventually once, you know, once everything picks up steam a little bit more, I, I do want to have like an office where we have yeah. inventory, where we ship directly, but we're not there yet. Yeah. But soon, soon. Yeah. Um, yeah, I recently, like I used to do, you know, local screen printers, which I would still love to do, but they always had a minimum um, order quantity. And I'm like, for one, I don't want to hold the inventory and just hope that somebody's going to like order that shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, and then secondly, um, when I switched to something more of like a like a printful or something like that, I wasn't as happy with the quality. And so I was That's like, actually who we use. Is it? Yeah. I wasn't, I, I struggled with them and I don't know it, it very much could have just been my graphic or whatever. Um, well, they don't do screen print. They do. They DGT. don't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I ended up like, I had a friend of mine basically uh, use their machine to create a giant wooden block um so I block print and so I do it on demand too it's like somebody orders it and I'm like okay I'll go you know print it and then that also allowed me the opportunity to get into something else I'm passionate about which is trying to be more environmentally focused and so yeah like I go to Goodwill and source t-shirts you know for super cheap and then print it's like that's a lot easier to me than or environmentally friendly than <clears throat> creating a new piece of um clothing yeah yeah um, <laughs> yeah yeah um when art therapy i want to circle back to that too what are you envisioning for your art therapy my goal well my goal is to eventually have programming every day during the week but um for the art therapy um series my goal is to have you know painting watercolor drawing collage I'm really excited about that (laughs) um basically any medium that you can think of like I want to have that as as an art therapy class Mm -hmm. um and you know not just a typical painting class but really talk about like how to use how to use art as a tool for healing yourself and so yeah I I'm right now on a quest to find um black and brown artists who want to feel who would like to facilitate these uh programs and so yeah we I'm hoping gosh it's already May I'm hoping to have the first one in June we'll see (laughs) um but yeah we we have a lot of programs already scheduled but I'm hoping June will be the first art therapy group but nice yeah and eventually you know at least have like one or two a week that'd be Mm -hmm. great yeah if you ever want to get one started with uh 
woodworking we should talk because i know of a community shop in la <clears throat> oh, awesome. that okay. would be uh probably very open to that idea so yes um <laughs> before before so we're we're getting close on time but i do really want to ask since you've been talking about grants just kind of like a little bit like what's that process been like for you like applying because I've done I've applied for a few grants which I, I didn't get but just like I know it was really grueling just the process of going through like applying looking and searching and finding ones that would work and then applying for them so kind of want to get your take your on how that's been going what what you've encounter that. well I had to ask someone if they would help like you know yeah. a grant writer finding a grant writer is like ideal because it is a grueling process and even though I'm somebody I am creative but like I my brain can shift to admin and and I at, I have applied for many grants myself mm -hmm. it's not something I want to do because it's yeah. not fun but yeah. you know if you can find a grant writer that is willing to help that's the best way to go. And honestly, like it, it's about volume and having a plan and, and thinking about really thinking about your programs and what it is that you want to do and finding grants that work with that. Um, but it is a whole beast and, you know, it, 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 I don't even know. It's about consistency. And one, the hardest one to get, I think, is like the first one or two. And then after that, they'll come more, you know, they'll, mm. and I know this because I'm speaking from experience from my, my wife's nonprofit that I did work with them for about four years. So that was our experience with them. And now they're doing really well. And so it's just, you know, about getting the first couple. And then mm. After that, it gets the ball rolling and people feel, or I should say foundations feel more comfortable giving you money once other people have too, which is ridiculous, but that's just weird. <laughs> it's, well, I mean, it's like the example you gave with the ID or, or even I think like when people are freshly graduated out of college, right. And they go apply for their first few jobs and they're told like, or they're asked, well, do you have any experience? And you're like, right. No. <laughs> you know I'm, I'm just out of college and it's like well right. we want somebody with experience well how do you get experience if you don't freaking hire somebody without experience mm -hmm. so yeah it's it's interesting um <laughs> that's good to know um I have thought about a grant writer but I think I have to be more clear on the vision before I like bring somebody else on to um yep do that so maybe i'll i'll end with that question how did you get clear on your vision for as you're shifting gears oh my gosh honestly that's a that's been a journey it really is just about like i had to really sit and think about what do you want to do you know because there was a period of time where I was like, I think this is it. I'm going to give up a trip where I don't want to do it anymore. It's too much. But then I had to really sit and think about why, why did you start this? What, what do you want to do? What, what are you trying to give back to the world? What do you, mm -hmm. you know, to your community, to yourself, like what, like really think about these things and, and think about what's needed. Um, what do people need? You know, what can people benefit from? 
um, and really just like asking these questions and looking and doing research, seeing what other people are doing and like being inspired by that, you know, like mm-hmm. the podcast. <laughs> um, I was inspired to do that from, you know, my experience with my internship and, um, you know, just really taking time and being thoughtful about it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes writing it all down helps. <laughs> Brainstorming, you know, I had a paper where I just sat and wrote down ideas and like or things that I liked or Mm -hmm. things that made me feel very connected to my community or to my culture and or things that were hella black things that were hella (laughs) queer things that were you know uh all the things so Mm -hmm. it's just literally I just would write stuff on the paper and then I'm like what is this (laughs) (laughs) and then you look and you see oh that's kind of cool you know it's just words, but sometimes something will come out and then it'll mm-hmm. inspire a thought and then that'll inspire an idea. And then it becomes a program, you know, it's just, it's about getting it out and uh, yeah. Talking to people, asking people, I have asked a lot of people for advice because even though I have experience with nonprofit and I especially like starting one from the, mm-hmm. the, the ground up, this is mine. And this, this feels different and Mm -hmm. personal and like it's my child and I'm like okay you know I want to do this right and like learn from the lessons that I learned you know with that previous experience and um it's just it's it's a lot and so asking people what they think and uh you know asking people what they see you know Mm -hmm. Like, you know, asking friends, well, what do you see when you, when you look at my website? Well, what do you see when you look at my Instagram or like, what do you, you know, all these things. And so, yeah, it's just, I don't know if that helps at all, but <laughs> yeah. You're using your tribe to help create the tribe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love it. Love it. Yeah. Um, well, Sabine, we are getting close to the end of our time, so I want to um, give you the opportunity to make sure everybody knows where they can, like, go and check out all the stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, our website is a tribecalledqueer.com. That's where you can literally see all of our programs, every project that we have, everything we're working on. Um, You can donate to support us. You can sign up as a member through our fiscal sponsor. Um, You can um, shop our merch, which is really cool because our pride collection just came out. Um, What else? What else? What else? Uh, you can also listen to our previous podcast on our website too, for free. Um, what else? Our Instagram is a tribe called queer. Our Facebook is a tribe called queer. Our Twitter, which I'm not a fan of really, but it's ATC queer, (laughs) which is how I abbreviate a tribe called queer, ATC queer. And, um, yeah. That's where you can no no TikTok yet no. Uh... Oh, we do have a TikTok. <laughs> oh, okay, our digital communications manager, shout out to Melba. Uh, she runs our TikTok and our Instagram and all that kind of stuff. And so she did make us the TikTok. Which let me look it up because I don't want to give you the wrong information. <laughs> but I believe it is. Sorry, no, <laughs> it's a track called Queer as well. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so you can find us on TikTok. Okay. And um, yeah, 
Cool. I'm not Very a TikToker, cool. so I, <laughs> I just go to TikTok for like the cat videos mainly. Is what <laughs> I'm on TikTok for. Um, yeah. Besides sharing my own business stuff, but yes, if yeah. I'm just I'm just gonna fall down the hole of TikTok. It's it's animal videos. It's um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for taking the time to um, chat with me today. I really appreciate it. Oh my God. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Pleasure. It was. Okay. So again, that was Sabine Maxine Lopez of A Tribe Called Queer. And I will include the links on all the ways you can follow along with A Tribe Called Queer in the show notes for today's episode. Best places to find that is to check out the description for the episode on your podcast app. If uh, this one will not be available on YouTube, so it's either there in the description on your podcast app, or you can head on over to freemanfurnishings.com forward slash podcast and find this episode as well as all the previous episodes. Please follow along with the podcast over on Instagram at crafting a revolution, all one word, no spaces, no underscores, dashes, dots, none of that at Crafting a Revolution. And that is actually the best place to find ways to support the podcast if you have been enjoying it. Check out the link in the bio. There's a link that will take you over to Patreon if you would like to support in a monetary way in a monthly ongoing basis. Lots of tiers to choose from over there. There's also a link for you to do a one-time monetary donation uh, if that is something you would prefer to do. And always, 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 we are happy to have you share about the podcast on Instagram. So if you just want to share about the podcast, make sure you tag us at Crafting Revolution. Uh, that is always appreciated. And lastly, um, if you're enjoying it, make sure you do for sure like, subscribe, comment, um, head on over to iTunes, leave a five-star review. All of that helps get eyeballs on the podcast and in the end helps us to continue to grow and get more guests on, uh, which is what this is all about, to get the voices um, of as many people as possible out there and get their stories told. All right, we have one more brand new episode this week uh, coming up on Friday. And in the meantime, as always, let's go craft a revolution. Solution for the toxic masculinities Pollution is the constant evolution Of a broken institution